You are listening to Geekish Cast, an Astro Panda Production Network's podcast. Cast episode 162 Breakfast the Series with Matt Goodernotch. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor and introduce you to our guest. Thank you everybody for uh, sticking in there. Uh, please buy whatever responsible product that was that the uh, ad agency stuck into that spot. Uh, we do appreciate it. I do want to do a quick housekeeping note. There will be no live episode this coming Thursday. It turns out I will be on an airplane coming back from Portland and they frown on lots of electrical equipment being ran on an airplane mid-flight. That being said, I would like to bring out our guest, Matt Goodernotch, and have him talk about his new web series, Breakfast the Series. What's happening, Matt? Hey, not much, Jeremy. How you doing? Doing quite well, sir. I'm going to have you describe your show, because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Sure. So what is Breakfast the Series about? Yeah, uh, it's sort of tough not to, to spoil, I yeah. guess. The, I've I've struggled with whether or not to to include the hook or not, because that really is the whole reason to watch the show, as far as I'm concerned. So I figure I just I just mildly spoil it. But the show is basically a guy buys a sex robot and she doesn't really have any interest in having sex with him and only wants to eat breakfast. They eat breakfast together. I... <laughs> and that, that's it. OK. And he doesn't call the warranty department or anything. No, you know, originally we actually uh, we shot some some extra stuff and then edited it down. And uh, originally he did. We had a, a whole episode, a big chunk of it, where he's talking to warranty and um, he's just embarrassed to to say it in front of her. Um, so he ends up saying, you know what, this is fine. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll work through the manual. It, it just it just didn't didn't work as well as this guy being so pathetic that he never even he never even tries. He just says so this funny. is. This is the life I've, I've signed up for. And so now I have a roommate instead of a sex robot. That is so funny. So do you remember where did this idea come from? Um, I don't I don't know. I am scared to, to think about where it came <laughs> from. I don't. I don't know exactly. Did the actress, Carly Kaiser, who's amazing um, and plays the sex robot, uh, she and I were actually shooting on another project in South Africa for a couple weeks and became like really close there. And so I told her I just wanted to write something for us to go shoot when we came back home. Uh, so it started with that of like, what's what can I do? One location with this awesome actress who has graciously accepted my offer to do something to work with me for free, you know? I started bouncing it around, short films or web series or what I wanted to do. And I just kept coming back to this guy who just couldn't, couldn't get laid, basically. And what he would go through to do so and what would happen if you had a sex robot that was like, no, I'm good. And sort of the implications of that. And, you know, if you're a very nice, normal guy and she just seems like a woman, like where, where do you go with that? You can't, yeah. you can't, I don't know. So I just, I, I thought there was something weird and funny and off and I, I like making, making weird shit. Well, I was going to say it, it works, but I think more than anything else, and I watched them with my wife last night. Cause I'd like to have somebody else with me when I view a web series, because 
I, I don't know. I might laugh because, you know, they're coming on as a guest. You know what I mean? I like to have like right. an impartial person. We right. both thought it was hilarious, but it was your guys' timing and delivery and subtle looks that carried mm. so much of it. Just the, the ever-present awkwardness of the two of you <laughs> kind of darting your eyes around and, you know. Yeah, and that was something I, I really uh, fought for. My production partner, John Orchard, who's also amazing, he and I worked together on a lot of stuff. He and I, when we, when we first when I, I sort of did all the editing. He did all the shooting. Um, and when I first showed him the copy and I was like, you know, in the first episode, it, it's uh, 55 seconds before anybody says anything. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like, what What do you mean? We can cut all this dead air out. It's just you guys eating. Um, but that was something I really wanted. I really like sort of, you know, the old British humor of uh, I, I'm much less of a sitcom three beat joke guy and much more of a situational. Um, oh, sure. So I, I just, yeah, that was really important to me from the get-go. And uh, that was something Carly and I had talked about before we even shot. And I said, you know, live in it as long as you want. Like, <laughs> eat as much breakfast as you want before you say your next line. I just don't care. We're just going to live in this moment of, of a man and a sex robot who have nothing to talk about and aren't going to have sex. So so that what is, do they do? That is so funny. So please at least tell me that you didn't tell your, your co-star in this. I'm going to write a web series where I pay you for sex. At least <laughs> tell me that wasn't your come on in this moment. It, was, it wasn't exactly the line I used. It <laughs> okay. Was, it was maybe similar, but uh, but yeah. No, oh. I, I was slightly more tactful. It was okay. more like, do you want to be a sex robot for me for free? <laughs> which, who who can say no to that? Well. Yeah. 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 Then after talking to her lawyers and a quick restraining order, we figured everything out. And so you uh, actually, you guys filmed this in two separate rooms, then. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Through uh, <laughs> through a large plexiglass, it was um, yeah. it was quite difficult from a production standpoint. Yeah, the, but the miracles I, I of technology. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, not to not to like become like a total downer. I kind of wanted to, and, and you guys do deal with it, but very briefly and very dryly. The ethics of a sex robot who doesn't want to have sex. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> she's very much, like, aware. I mean, she's like a, you know, a Mr. Data from Star Trek, totally yes. alive robot. So, yeah, if she doesn't want to do it. What, you know, <laughs> where, where are the ethical implications of that? Yeah, and that's that's one thing that uh, we're hoping – I mean, we're going to do a season two. It's just, like, such an easy show to produce, and, and we've gotten some pretty great feedback. So uh, that's something I want to explore way more. Um, we do – we touch on it in season one. But, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like an ex machina type type deal of, of – uh, I, I think that's what I thought was funny is it's only funny if this guy is not – able to cross that ethical boundary right um you know as soon as this guy is like no you're a robot like figure it out then it's not funny anymore and this guy's not sympathetic and we don't want to watch some creep with a sex robot forcing himself on on somebody yeah so i didn't want to yeah not 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 exactly comedy yeah but i i wanted to just touch on it a little bit in season one and then really just enjoy sort of the awkward play between the two but in season two, we, I've already talked with, with Carly and John, and um, the hope is to go through a whole sort of, uh, you know, um, f- feminist thing was really one of the things Carly and I talked about early on is 
for this to be in the stupidest possible way, because again, it's a web series about a sex robot and a guy and a guy. Um, but talking about those implications in real life of like, you know, there are still many women treated as sex robots in relationships and in life and in whatnot. And there is sort of the connotation of like, Hey, I've, I've treated you really well and I've been very nice to you. Why aren't we hooking up? Mm-hmm. And so the hope is in season two to bring that even more so of like, just cause this guy's nice and just cause he's, he's paid the right amount of money and done the right things. It does not mean he gets to have sex with her. And so that is already written into season two as like a much bigger theme of sort of her independence, her emancipation. Um, you know, I uh, don't want to spoil anything, but we have a little cliffhanger at the end of season one. And, you know, we explore sort of it's a much bigger world for our sex robot in season two. I'm going to ask you a real world question now. Are you somebody who believes that we will one day actually have human like artificial intelligence? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're like getting pretty close, right? There's it like It seems like it to me. Yeah, like and now since I've done this web series, all of my friends and even family will now email me every time there's some new breakthrough in, you know, like did you just see there was just uh the thing about like sex robots will one day kill people? Did you see that? <laughs> Well, I, honestly, just between you you and me talking, I'm 44, so I was like 10 or 11 when the original Terminator came out. I live in pants-shittingly terrifying scares <laughs> of of artificial intelligence uh, just because of that movie. Yeah. Um, I, I know they're already working on drones that will be able to pick out their own targets, which I think is just a fantastic idea. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, just killer robots flying around doing their thing. Where could it go wrong? Yeah, I mean, what could possibly happen there? <laughs> um, it's not like drones being controlled by people don't blow up weddings as it is now. You know? Sure, yeah. sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always, like, curious because, like, you know, like, I'll make a bagel and, like, it doesn't pop up all the way out of the toaster, so I'll hit the toaster with a spoon and then I think, <laughs> one of these days, that toaster is going to strangle me in my sleep. Yeah, it knows. Yeah. It's just, it's just waiting. The machine intelligence has recorded this now. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think it's, I mean, I think the the creeps of the world are going to be super happy very soon. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think... going, going back to, like, the 80s and 90s, well, I mean, let's just, talk, you know, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep since the new Blade Runner's coming out. <laughs> Phil K. Dick wrote about sex robots in the 50s and 60s. Right. Yeah. So this has been something <laughs> that opium-smoking weirdos have been waiting for for a long time. It's their it's their time. It's the yeah. renaissance of opium smoking weirdos. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's a negative thing necessarily. Just saying, you know. No. Yeah. Um, Gotta be who you are. Yeah. So, does Breakfast the series is that is it futuristic? I mean, or do you consider that to be happening in contemporary time? We very purposely didn't set a time. Um, only, like, really mostly from production issues. You know, we just didn't want to. It seems like nowadays. The, the easiest way to quickly let somebody know you're in the future is to like put a hologram up somewhere mm-hmm. or like have a screen appear when you're texting, like as if that, that implies that we're in the future. Right. Um, and uh, just from like technical and production standpoints, we were like, let's not worry about any of that. Let's just kind of keep it, it. It's, you know, the way we're thinking about it is maybe it's, it's just like a year from now or two years from now, there yeah. was some big breakthrough and that's sort of what happened. So it's still like everyone's still using iPhones. Everyone's still driving cars, but it's just a slightly futurized version of the world. 
Yeah, so just like 15 minutes from now kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like at any point, you're going to go on Twitter and see like, oh, there are sex robots now. Yeah. And uh, our lives are still the same. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, it's funny as you bring up the hologram. There's a movie uh, that Tom Cruise did called uh, Vanilla Sky that I think I'm the only fan of. <laughs> And the hook in it is that it's a sci-fi story, but you don't find that out till the very end, except the one tell they did put in there was a holographic jazz player at a party. And that was the one the one piece of information that you could pick up on and go, oh, wait a minute. So yeah. I, I always thought that was subtly done there and then overdone everywhere else. Right, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good use of it. But, yeah, now it's everything. Even there's, there's some new CBS show, Me, Myself, and I, that just came out where it's like three – iterations of the same guy and uh yeah it, like i i was watching that the pilot and sure enough to to let you know that the older version of him that's in the future the first thing they do is bloop, a screen pops up like while he's texting with little holograms i'm like oh yeah there it is yep well you know what's funny about that is obviously bobby moynihan is a young john larroquette i mean they're <laughs> right yeah so obviously the same type you know <laughs> yeah 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 he would you know grow and his entire features would change. Yeah, and voice would get much more deeper and, and <laughs> yeah. warmer and more melodic. Um, I only say that because I love Don Larroquette's speaking voice. His intro to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, is one of the greatest voiceover pieces in all time. Oh, man, yeah, Larroquette's, uh, he's great. Yeah, really. Uh, uh, these days, ever since um, uh, Night Court ended, he's really overlooked. I was just going to say Night Court. I, was, I grew up on Night Court. Yeah, me too. I love old, old sitcoms. Hey, so Matt, how did you get into filmmaking? What's your background? Um, so I, uh, I, uh, went to, to college as an English major and, uh, worked at the gap, like a white guy from Connecticut is supposed to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then I went down to New York, um, after I had done my senior year, I did this, this music video for a senior project uh, called Hump Something, which was just like a rap video about me humping things. Sure. Um, as yeah, one does. As, yeah. as one does. Um, you know, I was obsessed with the... That was like right when Lonely Island was starting to get huge, and uh, I just wanted to do sort of my own homage to them. So I did it for a project in a creative process class, and that professor, uh, Warren Dolan, who actually ended up officiating my wedding years later and is one of my closest friends now. Um, he sort of came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, I want to talk to you about that music video. And I was like, oh, I know. Is that like too much? I don't know. He was like, no, no, no. I think I think you got a great voice. I think you should be like an actor or a writer. And that was the first time that even entered my mind. Um, so I sort of said, OK, well, I'll apply to some grad schools and then go down to New York for a little while and see what's going on. And uh, while in New York, I started doing stand-up and taking classes at UCB um, and just loved it. And so when I got into a few grad schools, I turned them down and uh, took a real shitty sales job and just started performing as much as I could. Um, and from there, started booking commercials and have been commercial acting since then to sort of keep a roof over my head and my wife's head. And, um, but yeah, that I started doing commercials in New York and Boston in 2008 and nine, and then moved out to LA in 2010. And I've been writing and acting, you know, sort of full-time professionally since about 2011. Oh, fantastic. And, and you picked a, a great time in the economy to get into it. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I actually moved out here during the writer's strike, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing to me. I, I, these things are happening now where we have been in such flux because of technology, where we don't even know what media is going to look like here soon. You know? Yes. Um, we, we just don't know. I was like, can you still write ads for newspapers? We don't know. We, we, yeah. really don't, we don't know what's going to happen yet. What kind of yeah. sales job did you do? I, I sold, uh, first I had two actually one. I only lasted about a weekend. Um, and that was, I was doing recruiting for it companies. Ah. Uh, and I made a joke about weed on my first, um, sales luncheon and was reprimanded and then never went back. Uh, for so weed. that was, <laughs> it was like, uh, I was with, I, I just didn't read the room very well. And I was, I don't yeah. know that none of this was right well, for hold me. On. Hold on. As, as a guy who's done comedy, <laughs> you know, that sometimes getting that awkward laugh is the best <laughs> one. So you do throw out the shitty joke that, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. Oh no, that sucked. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so a we part were, of the thing. We were just with, you know, like CEOs of tech companies and they were joking about, uh, how, you, it was like about how you could have UV lights. Oh, they they were getting uh, UV lights in their office so that they wouldn't get winter sadness or whatever that seasonal oh, yeah, affective disorder. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, my a buddy of mine in college got one of those so he could sell and grow weed. And it was just everybody looked at me completely quietly. There was like a very quick, like, okay, next topic by my, by my sales manager. And then the whole car ride back, it was like, Hey, probably like, don't joke about your friends selling and growing weed when you're talking to our clients. Um, and oh, it just, yeah. okay. that was the end of it for me. That was, that was where I ended. And then I sold uh, apparel. I sold, uh, Charles river apparel, which is like Harley Davidson needs, 50,000 sweater vests that say Harley Davidson. We were the company that did that type of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. So you're actually like the procurement and, uh, well, not even procurement, but you're the actual company that puts together the branded stuff for another company. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So the, reason, the reason I ask about that is because my background is sales. And one thing I've discovered talking to artists, especially independent artists who are doing, you know, like yourself, web series or indie comics or whatever, that the, the next step after you get the, project finished is to get out and sell to people <laughs> you know you gotta get yeah. out and tell everybody and hey guys by the way you know check this out um have you found that your sales experience helped you at all get the word out about the show well it, it would if i was good at it uh -huh. um, <laughs> i think it would have helped a lot uh but i was very bad at sales um i was i was i'm very good at talking to people but as soon as i need to sell somebody on something i just disappear into myself and uh, want to die. So that that has held true uh, through this process. I, I try to put myself out there, but for the most part, it's me like sending apology emails to people of like, I'm so sorry, you don't need to watch this. I apologize for this email. But if you have some time and you'd be so gracious um, and then, you know, it's like my dad and my friends and they're like, yeah, we'll watch your web series. Shut yeah. up, man. Like, well, relax. That's, that's how you approach me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've already apologized six or seven times since we've uh, started talking. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I'm known for. Yeah. Matt, the apology guy, good or not. Yeah. If you're not being crushed by anxiety, then, then what's going on, you know? Exactly. It's kind of my sweet spot. Exactly. Um, I got to ask about this now. 
that seemed like an awfully high quality sex robot for eight thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we oh man, probably like longer than anything. I mean, I the casting was done easily. It was two of my very good friends, uh, like I said, Carly, and then this guy Ian Gary, who works a ton and is just fantastic. Casting was easy, like shooting everything. The scripts I had written, you know, pretty fast, and we did like a real long talk, John and I, about uh, how much how much this sex robot cost. And in the original script, it was like four thousand dollars. I was like, that doesn't seem like enough, but it's also got to be a number that this guy can afford. And like, he's probably not buying a $30,000 sex robot since he's such a loser. So yeah, we just came, we just thought $8,000 was a, was a funny amount to spend. It was like, that's like three times what I spent on my first car. Yeah. There, so, there was, there, you like hit a sweet spot there where you're right. It wasn't so low that you go like, no way. But then it is kind of that it's because you expect like a Bentley number for something like that, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. We <laughs> like, like really, we really workshopped it. We were like, if he's like, I spent one hundred and twelve thousand dollars on this thing. It's like, well, how, how, how yeah. did you do that? Um, so we figured eight grand. It was like, you know, he bought. That's why this one broke. You get what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she's she's not so good at being a sex robot. So the idea here is that Ripa, as as she wants to be called. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the switch that goes from sex to not sex has breakfast on that continuum. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was just we. I made that decision real early of if rather than like being switched to off, what would like be the other thing that they were switched to? And it's just, I don't know. I just thought it was really funny that that eating breakfast would be like because I wanted as much as a sex robot likes sex. That's how much she likes eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so that's all she wants to do. That's all she does, you know, like at all times she's thinking about breakfast. And so we really tried and Carly and I had talked about that. Like that was her whole thing of like, like you just said, if the switch instead of on to off went on to breakfast, then like that's what she is. She's a breakfast robot now. Yeah. So you bought an $8,000 breakfast. So it's kind of like an expensive <laughs> garbage disposal that talks to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's an that's an interesting thought. <laughs> so, the, the other thing from your show that I got to bring up is there is a weird penis bacon thing going on here that yeah, I have to wonder as a as a younger man, did you drop bacon into your <laughs> naked lap some point? Where do, where does this bizarre fever pitched uh, penis bacon combination come from? It's a real thread in this in this web series, and uh, it didn't start out as that big of a thread, but it got there. Um, I don't know. I I don't think so. There's probably some sort of repressed memory somewhere that's just beating the door down that I'm gonna discover in some hot flash. But I I just did it because I was trying to think of like it actually <laughs> it actually I actually know exactly why I thought of it. Uh, so this is a true story on, on my honeymoon with my wife, who is, is so lovely. <laughs> she, uh, we were like, you know, we went to, we went to France for like 10 days and it was lovely. And she is not like me. She's not, uh, very strange and she's not a comedian. She's a teacher. And so I always just try and say like the weirdest stuff I can to sort of make her laugh or whatever. And we were, <laughs> so we were getting back from a meal and we had champagne in the room and I just, 
like looked at her and sort of like brushed the hair out of her face and was like, hey, do you want to drink champagne out of my butthole? <laughs> and, and, you know, we both, we, we both enjoyed that a little bit. It was very oh. funny. Uh, something we, we didn't we didn't follow up on it, of course. But uh, I, I just and, and I, I kept laughing at just this very slow delivery of a guy trying to be suave and then not knowing how to finish the suaveness. But like, try, like, oh, that's sexual because I guess yeah. like champagne on your butthole is technically sexual. So like, sure, you know, somebody likes it. Right. Yeah. So so that is honestly that was the first iteration of the joke. And we, we got to bacon on the dick through that of like if this guy was like, hey, do, do you want to eat bacon off of my dick? <laughs> uh, and that's exactly where the line came from, actually, was I jotted it down in a notebook on my honeymoon. Oh, God. And uh, yeah, the dick bacon was born. See, and then glad... once... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just say once I said it. It, we were immediately like, this has to keep coming back. Yeah. I am glad you found a way to use that because sometimes, like, all throughout little things like, you know, you did there at the Champagne and not having as many creative outlets, it doesn't get used. Like, recently we were having uh, dinner with friends in Monterey and I said something. I go, well, yeah, I really like it when my wife chokes me while I feed the fish. <laughs> Where the f are you going to use that? You know? right. Where is that going to come off? Season two of Breakfast, you're going to well, hear, you go. you're gonna just, hear that just line. <laughs> give me a little writer's credit, and there we go. You're done. But yeah, I just thought that was funny. That joke doesn't seem like it should call back, and then the way you finish it is <laughs> just, yeah. Because the whole time I'm thinking, tell me he's the, oh, God, he is. Oh, jeez. That's unsanitary. And that was, man, uh, Robert Mitchell, again, calling people out. He was, he was, he's great. He's actually Carly's fiance and one of my buddies, and helped a lot with the production. He's a producer on it. Um, and he, he pitched that it was ending it, uh, just, you know, again, I don't want to spoil too much of the season finale, but we had a bunch of different endings and he was like, in one, in one meeting, he was like, I mean, he, he's got to put bacon on his dick, right? <laughs> like we got to see him put bacon on his dick. And I was like, all right, man, if you think so, here he goes. And yeah, it ended up being, being, and that actually was what we were like, oh, let's get more callbacks in. Let's, if we're going to, if we're going to really go with this bacon dick, let's just bacon dick the whole series up. There's got to be a way to make a t-shirt out of that, right? <laughs> right. Two eggs and a strip of bacon. I don't know. There's something there. We got to figure this one out, Matt. Yeah. There, yeah this I'll is a billion idea, billion dollar idea <laughs> you're sitting on here. Bacon dick. Yeah. Yeah. Billi billions. <laughs> billions. Well, maybe millions. Maybe I'm overstating a bit. Well. Yeah. So when you were when you were coming up with this, I mean, we talked. You said there was an episode you were going to do with him on the phone with the warranty company. Uh, were there any other ideas that you had that you're just like, no, that absolutely will not work? We actually, uh, yeah, but but we shot them all. We did um, so episode four and five were really true to script, um, and that was the second day of shooting where we kind of we kind of learned what worked and what didn't. We did the first three episodes. I edited them and then. We all talked about what worked and what didn't, and then we shot four and five. Um, and in the first three, each episode is written like 10 to 12 pages, mm -hmm. and they're each cut down, you know, between three and a half and five minutes. Um, so there was quite a bit that just for whatever reason, either it didn't move or it wasn't funny enough to hold 
or it just sort of like took away from these two awkwardly sitting at the table. It, it just got sort of lost. Um, and, and the biggest thing was definitely the warranty. That was like, like a four minute bit of this guy on the phone with the warranty. And, you know, Ripa keeps asking him what he's doing and he has to keep finding ways of being like, I'm just talking to, I'm talking to my dad. Like, don't worry about it. Um, and we, it was like pretty good. It was, it was fine. Um, but it just took away from them living at that breakfast table. And that was what we found in the first three episodes. We just really liked. Yeah. Well, and it's called breakfast. So you might as well stay with the theme. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you're going to suddenly go to brunch or something. I know. That amused me, but I don't know that why. Be, that would be insane. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It's just like, this has broken the paradigm and the entire <laughs> thought process behind the show. I don't know what's happening. Just everybody around the world with their laptops would say, I, I'll buy an $8,000 sex robot, but you're eating breakfast, not brunch, you idiot. Yeah, wrong, shut wrong their laptop. Show. Jeez. <laughs> so let me ask you this. As somebody who's, you know... You come out of you know, a traditional acting background, this, that, and the other. The web series, I hate to even call them web series anymore because they're more and more just becoming a little laboratory of what can be done in standalone and serialized storytelling. Yeah. What What are your thoughts as somebody who's done one now and who's got plans for a season two? What do you think is going to happen with uh, web storytelling like this? Well, I the, it's crazy the web series community that exists including your show like it's this whole world that i had no idea existed until i made one um like just everything i mean it's it's seriously bizarre how like new twitter friends and and everything it's like once you make one you're in this like club of like hey I, i made my own web series you did too like we both get it now um so I, the first thing to me was just how how crazy this sort of web series community, indie web series especially, community yeah. sort of was. Um, but then, you know, I think it's in every meeting I've had or any anybody I talk to out here that, that I think holds a little weight or, or has a little thing to say about the industry, it just seems like more and more these things are going to be the, the next things. Um, and you already see it with there's a bunch of, you know, like – HBO buys two or three web series a year now that go straight to series. Yep. Um, and more and more shows are doing that. And I think one of the things in the way that web series can mimic TV and TV can mimic web series uh, that's interesting right now is like what we decided to do was every episode we cut for content. So, you know, there's three and a half minute episode. There's a four. There's a five. There's another four. There's a seven. Um, it was whatever the content made sense and you're already even seeing that on like on like fx all of their shows like uh you know go 37 minutes one week and then the traditional 30 and then 41 and then 33 and i think that's already something that that started on the indie level and has translated to tv is that like oh no we'll we'll, we'll cut this when it makes sense we're not gonna edit down to 30 minutes because that's when the block is um we're gonna we're going to cut this based on the story. So I think it's already sort of like blurring lines and, you know, nowadays it's just not that hard to get a nice camera or group of friends and just, just make something. Whereas it used to be like, Oh, I'll make this and hope to pitch it to somebody. Now you can just put it online and pitch it to a million people. Yeah, absolutely. If it catches on great. And if it doesn't, then move on to the next. 
Well, that's, um, oh, I just had Kimberly Nicole, her brother couldn't make it, but they did the web series Sibs, had them on recently. Mm. And they did everything on their iPhone. Like, legitimately shot the whole thing, everything on the iPhone. Yeah. Which, you know, and here's the thing, back in the 90s, I bought a book that was called How to Make a Movie on a Used Car Budget. And literally, the most expensive things in there were your film and your camera. Well, that's not the case anymore. No. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, we're a, a light year from that being the issue. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, it's even in, even just, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm 32. And even in the time I've, I've been doing this professionally for about 10 years. And my first, like, purchase when I was like, I want to, I want to produce my own stuff. That's, I, I'm not happy just waiting around for roles and scripts and things like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to go make something. Um, I took a, a check from my grandfather that he had given me for grad school that I, you know, obviously passed on. And I bought a Canon 7D the like first time it was like within two months of Canon 7D coming out. It was like the first time you could buy a Canon camera that shot high definition video. Yeah. You know, it was like this this world changing thing to have a to have a little Canon, you know, stock camera and be able to shoot video with it. I bought that with a like stock lens for it was like seven grand and went and shot stuff. And now it's like you can buy movie cameras for like eight eighty five hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, you you can buy red dragons for twelve grand. Like you can, now like a Canon seven D is like a sixteen hundred dollar camera, which is still it's not chump change, but comparatively you know, when I started out, you were looking at fifty to sixty thousand dollars to build a stock, high def, full production camera. You can do that with with eight, ten grand now, yeah. um, which I think just makes everything so much easier. And like you said, iPhones. I mean, they're shooting be beautiful footage. Uh, they're all high def. You know, they're four K now. Um, mm -hmm. Like at a certain point, I'm going to be the idiot who owns a production camera while everybody else is just zooming around with their iPhones. Well, I doubt it's going to come to that, but just, <laughs> just comparatively, in the early 2000s, I started a half sleeve on my left arm from uh, just a classic Flash Gordon cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. And the guy gets through the third session, and he goes, hey, by the way, we're going to either have to speed this up quite a bit, or you're going to have to get somebody else to finish it. I just got a contract from, I can't remember if it was Discovery or whoever, he goes to go fly my remote control helicopters with high-def cameras over Africa for $3 million for the next two years. Oh, my God. And this is the early 2000s where you're like, holy – well, okay, now you can get a high-def drone for, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I have, friend, I have friends from college who have them just to fly around their backyards. Yeah, and, and back <laughs> then, guys were still getting paid millions of dollars just to go get a picture of a water buffalo. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, crazy. Yep. And that's back when, you know, high def was like brand new. Most of us hadn't even seen a high def picture yet because right. even if you had a TV that did it, what you were watching wasn't there yet. Right. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Uh, yeah, it's it's gone a long ways. Um, and one of the cool things, I think, when you reduce the cost of entry into doing something, I don't know if it's so much with yours, but I'll give you an example of mine. I did a live episode Thursday where the head of the, the network that I, my shows through, we were talking afterwards. I'm like, well, what's something people are really listening to these days that we could try to capitalize and make something to sell, you know, products or whatever with? And he goes, oh, pro wrestling is huge. 
So now, a podcast, I can sit down and probably in two days have five episodes ready to go, a format, and you know, music, the whole bit, ready to go. I'm not saying visuals the same way, but you can do a lot more between Monday and Friday now than you could even just say five or six years ago. You get oh, an idea yeah. for a web series and blah, blah, blah. Has that... Yeah, it- Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. With the question, I was, I think I was jumping your question. No, because uh, you were probably going to address it. But now, now <laughs> yeah. we've completely broken that chain of thought. But I mean, is that something you can? I mean, have you seen something go from concept to a nearly finished product that quick yet? Yeah, I, I have. I, I have. Uh, actually, the the guy who is in our season finale, Ian Gary, um, he has this great uh, sort of Facebook web show character that he does called man without a country and that there are times where he'll have an idea he'll call me and say hey i need a little help you know he produces most things himself but he'll say hey i I need a little help with this um can you come over this afternoon and we'll like shoot some stuff and i go over there and either that night or the next day it's up you know just because like you said it's just so easy now ever like almost everyone i know even like i said friends from college have final cut on their computers now. Like people are just buying this stuff to cut videos for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's incredibly quick, uh, the turnaround and it, it makes it so much easier to be an indie creator when you're not spending a month and a half in production and post-production and things like that. If you, if you can just do it, you never lose that momentum. I think that momentum is like the only thing that allows these indie projects to succeed, honestly. It's like, cause I have done so many projects that have gone through and so many that have failed. And it seems to be the ones that fail are the ones that we just can't keep the wheels spinning. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it slows down or it stops or it, you know, whatever happens. And people start to lose interest, schedules change, you know, whatever. It just doesn't feel like it's working. And that, that, causes it to you know it's like a cause oh did i lose you there really the the speed of everything has been huge in that you don't lose that momentum yeah now that is that is something that's uh pretty amazing to me and and like you were talking about earlier how even hbo is kind of jumping on the web series bandwagon i know that um at least a couple production companies or contests up in canada run a thing now where you do a you know, a five minute pilot and then they put it out for voting. And then like the top three, they fund actual TV pilots for, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, Amazon's doing something similar to that. So it's, it's an exciting time to be a creative person. I think, I mean, all the money's gone from it, but right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, There's that's very, very little money, but it's the opportunities are amazing. And even yeah. festivals now, like when I started, there were, you know, like, maybe one web fest in the world. And now it's like, you can't, you can't throw a rock without hitting a new web fest popping up in some city. I'll do one right here in central California at some point. It would be huge within two years. They are blowing up right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, George Lucas and Jeremy Renner are from this town, so we should be able to make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, if people want to check out your work, where can they find you out on the interwebs? Uh, so the, the whole series is up. We just parked it on its own website. So that's breakfast, the series.com, um, breakfast, the series.com. I'll say it slightly slower. Uh, and then, um, 
everything we do, uh, my production company with John is called Goodnight Orchard. Um, so everything we have is youtube.com slash Goodnight Orchard. Uh, we have goodnightorchard.com, but that's more for like, you know, clients and things like that. So it's just trailers and, and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, youtube.com slash Goodnight Orchard, facebook.com slash Goodnight Orchard. Uh, and breakfasttheseries.com to see the the latest stuff. Awesome. Are you on Twitter? I am. Yeah. I'm. Uh, my name is Guder Nachos. Um, so it's my last name: G U D E R N A T C H O S. Which would be German for better nachos, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Guder Nachos. Yeah. Perfect. That's that's what I'd figured. All right. Hey, Matt. Thank you for joining us. It was a blast talking to you. Hopefully, when Season 2 comes about, we can have you back. Yeah. In the meantime, everybody, please go check out Breakfast the Series. And uh, remember to give us a look at uh, GeekishCast.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GeekishCast. I tweet from at the GeekishCast. Also, if you have time, please go to iTunes, rate and review the show. It helps us out a lot. and It brings us closer to the top of uh, web searches for the word geek, which would be beneficial to me. I am on Instagram, but it's really just pictures of dogs and beer and cosplay girls, so it's probably not going to interest anybody. Until next time, everybody. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zeus. Check them out at reignofzeus.net.